podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. We're thankful for the reasons it's the best part of the fall. The crossover of seasons, football and basketball. So grab yourself a pumpkin brew or beverage of your choice. All the best smelling wildcats are here with Bosco's voice. Oh, don't you know we're on a podcast with Bosco's voice? Thank you. Thank you very much. Giving. Boom. The boys are back. Uh, and what a show it will be. Um, so full disclosure up front. Um, there was one possibly game-changing, earth-shaking, banner-type interview that I wanted to get into this show. Um, it fell through. Still working on making it happen. Uh, if we do, you guys will know it when you see it. Um, but the guy is pretty busy, pretty busy, uh, and we'll just leave it at that. Not Jerome Tang, I know folks are still waiting for that one to happen, but a pretty, pretty big one, um, almost made happen, but that's okay, because we got Grant Copeland, aka Grant KSU, the, one of the co-founders of the show, former co-host of the show, we got Grant to talk some K-State football. We'll be hearing that here in a second. That originally was going to take place of the K-State primer. Uh, but this really isn't a whip around show. I reached out to eight different people who cover the University of Texas Longhorns. Only one got back to me, said, nope, don't have the time. So uh, there is no Texas primer. Um, the interview I was working on, uh, is in the realm of the Big 12. Uh, so there is no Big 12 game of the week type thing. Uh, so you're going to have to listen to me. And, and the, there, there's no Wildcat uh, roundup either. So you're going to get about 20 minutes of Grant and I, old school kind of Bosco's boy style. Uh, and then... Uh, at the end of this, I will I will talk about the Big 12, um, some big-time news, maybe why I wasn't able to accomplish maybe the second or third biggest interview we've ever, would have ever had. Um, so I'll talk about that after Grant. Uh, before we kick it to uh, Grant and I's old-school conversation, uh, first, we're sponsored by Manhattan Brewing Company. Best brewery in the state of Kansas. They always have all sorts of delicious stuff 
on tap. I'll be making a stop by Manhattan Brewing Company before the K-State basketball game on Monday. And hell, every time I go in there, I'm bringing a few four-packs back to Shawnee with me. They have the Tang Time IPA is back. They've done beers with Connor Riley, with the equipment team, Swag Team 6. Maybe one time in the future, sometime in the future with Bosco's Boys. So check out Manhattan Brewing Company today. They've been rocking with us basically since the summer now. Absolutely love them. Also, Charlie Hustle is back. So if you want the most stylish, most comfortable, officially licensed K-State gear, folks, the lavender jackets are so swaggy. The the most stylish, the best-looking K-State jacket in the history of the world over on charliehustle.com. I promise you will see that jacket, you will buy it, and you will thank me later. Absolutely amazing jacket. So go to charliehustle.com and get it today. I promise, I promise you. You are going to love that jacket. Buy it. Send me, tweet a picture of it. You've seen a handful of people rocking it. Absolutely stylish. All right, before we get to Grant, um, some news from the coordinator uh, press conferences. Really, the big two things are surrounding uh, injury news. First, in the one uh, that I think is most important, Daniel Green Uh, is practicing. He's been limited in practice. He's going to be a game-time decision on Saturday versus Texas. This is what I'm going to say. Even if you can just get Daniel Green for 10 to 15 snaps, finding a way to get him back out there would be massive. Now, we saw Nick Allen play very well. We saw Jake Clifton learn how to play middle linebacker uh, and get out there. And he played very well. Austin Moore, I believe, is an all-Big 12-type linebacker. Gavin Forche had a good game. Des Purnell, the Topeka Cat, has been very good this season. Khalid Duke, been good this season. But when you're going up against the rushing attack from Texas, specifically B. John Robinson, especially when, when you look back at that TCU game and saw how much... We struggled, how badly we struggled tackling their running backs and how many yards we gave up after first contact. And that all coincided with Daniel Green exiting the game. You have to, if he's able to go, get Daniel Green out there for as many snaps as you can get. Again, this is the most important game played in Bill Snyder Family Stadium probably since... The last time you played Texas with Big 12 championship implications. You know, since you beat Oklahoma State last week, this now becomes the most important game probably since that 2012 game versus Texas. So if you can get 10 to 15 snaps from Daniel Green, you have to give it a go. He has to try to give it a go if he can give you 10 to 15. That would be massive. The other piece of news, Adrian Martinez has been practicing this week. He has been practicing this week. Now, how close is he to 100%? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. But 
it sounds like after listening to Colin Klein's press conference that even if Adrian is close to 100%, uh, it, it's still going to be a game-time decision on who starts. Now, what does that tell me? That tells me absolutely nothing. Uh, they're not going to come out and say, they're not going to tip their hand and say, oh, if Adrian is 100%, we're going with him. Oh, he's been practicing, so we're going to go with him. There is no incentive. There is no reason to tell the truth. I think that the coaching staff knows 100%, without a doubt, no hesitation, who is going to be starting on Saturday. Because if Adrian was close enough, he, he, he was almost able to go versus Oklahoma State. So you'd imagine with a whole nother week, he he should be good to go versus Texas. Now, again, no incentive. There's no reason to tell the truth. No reason to come out and say that. I sometimes have inside sources. I sometimes know what's going on. This is not one of those times. I have absolutely no clue what they're going to do. But if I was guessing, I would say Adrian Martinez is good to go. And I, again, my assumption, my guess, my prediction, and by the way, this is what I would do as well, Adrian Martinez starting on Saturday. That is my guess, that is my assumption, and that is also what I'd do. Now, could I be absolutely wrong? And it's Will Howard out there, and all of a sudden, Will Howard is now QB1 definitively? That 110% could be happening. Could Adrian still not be quite 100% and they're saying, nope, until you're 100%, we're still going to rock with Will? That also could happen. Could we see some sort of platoon type thing? Yes, but that would surprise me a little bit. Ultimately, Chris Kleiman and this coaching staff wants Texas to have to worry about and prepare for both quarterbacks. Um, And I think that's perfectly fine. Um, I'm also not going to make any sort of assumptions based on uh, how they're warming up. Because, again, after watching warm-ups last week, I thought, okay, it is Adrian Martinez. Um, And that turned out not to be the case. It is going to be an interesting one. And quite frankly, again, I know it works out. I know it worked out. And uh, we won the toss and took the ball. I hope hope we defer. I, I want to stretch out the suspense as long as possible. I want Texas to get the ball. I want them to go three and out. I want them to punt to Phillip Brooks. I want him to take that to the crib. I want them to go three and out again, block that punt, take it back for a touchdown, make them go three and out again, and then find out who's starting quarterback. I don't want to find out who's starting quarterback is until the second quarter. I, (laughs) you know, that, that would be an ideal situation, but... It is going to be exciting. No one's going to get any work done uh, today as you're listening to this on Friday. It's going to be exciting times. All right. I'm going to kick it to my conversation with the co-founder of Bosco's Boys and the former co-host of this show, Grant Copeland. Um, and We're going to hear what he has to say. It's been too long since we've heard Grant on the show. Always going to be one of Bosco's Boys. Always going to be part of the past, present, and future of the show. We love Grant, so let's let's listen to the Hall of Famer, Grant Copeland. Then I'll, I'll give a little bit of Big 12 talk on the back end. 
Folks, it is, it's been too long, and I thought, you know what? Forget trying to find some big Jay Jerno. Forget trying to find someone who, you know, has their own show about K-State or any of that shit. I thought, you know what? Why not get, like, a little mini old-school Bosco's Boys episode for the K-State Primer this week and get the man, the myth, the legend, the co-founder of this show. <laughs> this show would not be around if it wasn't for this man. No, it is not Kellis Robinette who turned me down when I wanted to start a podcast. It is my brother, <laughs> metaphorically, because Alan has Woo! been on the show before. But it is Grant Copeland, who is on Twitter as well. So, Hello, how are you? I'm good. Here, here's a quick question before we talk about K-State. Um, if Elon unlocks your original Twitter account, do you go There's back to that be like one? 10 of there'll be multiple I, or, well like so you had like the one that was I had one that was, for a while i mean just the grant ksu one yes. that was that was would a good you, one would you go back to that one or are you like saying hey no this is i don't you know, know i don't even know what your handle is these days um that's a good question whatever I mean, I'd probably i'd probably check it out and see you know i don't know that's a good question because i feel like there's going to be a a lot of mutual followers on there. So I think the other one was much bigger of an account. So I would probably go back to that, but I don't know. I don't do good with, with power. I don't do good with the followers. <laughs> the less followers, the better for me. Yeah. With mentally. great power comes great responsibility. So, uh, but let, let's, let's forget that first off uh, that Oklahoma state game. Holy shit. It was the most dominant game in the history of college football versus a top 10 team. How wild game. Was that? How wild was that? One of the most enjoyable K-State games I've ever seen in my lifetime. Um, very little stress throughout the entire game and a lot of great stories kind of woven it within it. Will Howard, obviously. The, the redemption arc there is wonderful to see um, just for him as a person in general, but for the health of the program going forward. Uh, gives me a bit more confidence about the next few seasons, knowing that Will, you know, is turning into what could be a very good power five quarterback. I still think it's a pretty small sample size. Uh, I like Will Howard, but I want to see him kind of continue on this trend. But I also love the Austin Moore story. Um, God, he's good. Uh, I was very worried going into Saturday being that light at linebacker, but we figured it out. We schemed it. And Austin Moore is just living up to his name as the machine. The guy is really, really good at linebacker. Yeah. Austin Moore, you know, Nick Allen had probably one of his better games. Um, and the fun part about Austin Moore is because I, I was uh, starting, starting to look, I was asked a question in the DMs, like talking about next year already, which is wild. And when you look up and down the roster on defense and on offense, how many guys are like seniors or possibly slash most likely going to go pro after this year. And you're looking at the defense and the best part about the Austin Moore storyline, besides like how improbable it was, this guy's back next year and yeah. in theory could play his COVID senior season as well uh, because he, he might be a candidate for it because before this year he was a special teams guy. And I'll be honest, I was panicking when, when it's like, oh, Will Honus isn't going to play. 
you know, all these different transfer linebackers that we thought we were going to have. None of them are showing up or some of them showed up. They're just not going to play. I was like, who the fuck is Austin Moore? And what what is he going to do? And then turns out this guy's playing at an all Big 12 level. He's been, without a doubt, our best linebacker this season. Um, I'm I, Everyone was talking about Daniel Green, and I think Daniel Green's still a really good player, and he could have a really good second half of the season, but he's only got 21 tackles in, what, eight games at this point. Obviously, he didn't play last week, but um, it's crazy to see that vacuum that was kind of created and Austin Moore slid in, and he's taken it by the throat. And I hope, I hope we get a break, and he does – decide maybe to get I mean he will be back next year but if he gets an extra year after that having that invaluable experience is going to be crucial for when we're kind of rebuilding and retweaking that linebacker room yeah speaking of linebacker Jake Clifton also uh, with literally one practice and a walkthrough uh, get some snaps at Mike linebacker I, I know most folks think you know linebacker it's just like you know playing Madden or the old NCAA football game where Oh, if your uh, middle linebacker gets hurt, you just slide over your, you know, (laughs) strong side linebacker, nothing changes, but that's not how it works. How impressed are you with the true freshman? Uh, Literally one practice. And it's like, all right, he played like 20 plays and looked pretty good out there doing it. I mean, that's extremely impressive at this level to be able to be plugged in that early before a game and have the performance that he did is, is insane. I mean, it just speaks to, I think, the coaches' abilities to get these guys prepared, but also that depth building that they've been continuing to work on since day one that Kleiman came in here. To, to be able to have guys, it's not something we've really seen at K-State in our entire lives, to have guys that are, are willing to come in here or to have coaches that are willing to get guys in early, build that depth, build that experience so that it is truly as best as it can be at K-State, next man up, and not have that drop in competition so let's hope it continues yeah and again he wasn't even here for spring ball this is a guy who showed up in june um flip over to offense real quick uh before we get to the the big question like 90 percent of the questions for the tuesday q a pod were about one specific thing i'll ask you about that later but deuce vaughn i think is like 42 yards away from surpassing john hubert as the second leading rusher k-state history and again, you look back to that COVID season. Well, I mean, it was only 10 games. He wasn't even like the starter until like the third week or something like that. And last week had 175 all-purpose guards, two touchdowns. And like, there wasn't a single question about him in the post-game press conference. Uh, I think you were the first one to say it on the pod last year, cherish every game Deuce Vaughn plays. I mean, are people realizing what we're witnessing at running back? I don't think we are. I don't think the mass group of K-State fans understand the greatness that we see basically every week. Yeah, he's really special. He's 98 yards away from another 1,000-yard season uh, with, you know, four conference games to go um, and hopefully six games to go with the rest of the season. But it's hard to be present with players like this. You know, uh, it's, it's easy to take these things for granted and seasons come and go so quickly players come and go so quickly, but uh, we haven't seen a player as fun as, as will, or I'm sorry, deuce since, you know, guys like Lockett that were truly like on that next level and the entire nation 
can key on them and say, wow, this is an elite player. This is the type of guy that deserves the accolades. So, and he's just really fun. Like he's not just like getting numbers. I mean, he does it with style and he's 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 a a fucking video game. He's a video game. He, he has these vintage jukes every game. His cuts are unbelievable. And he's, he just, it's just so fun to watch him run a five foot five guy to just be putting guys, you know, in the, on the back burner like that. It's great. And I was a little worried about him going into the Oklahoma state game because they'd had him bottled up um, in his career. He had 62 yards total against Oklahoma state in his career until Saturday. And he had 62 yards in the first quarter because he like had that massive receiving touchdown last year. Yeah, but he, yes, correct. Rushing, but he basically made a statement early um, and, and broke it open. So it was, just a, it was a great day um i was worried because i i mean our whole household was, is just was sick and has been sick and i was just like i don't want to be stressed about this game because i feel like shit and immediately it's like oh this is nice it was just kind of on in the background i've gotten to rewatch it a few times and everything about it was great it looked like a gorgeous day out the crowd looked great and we didn't have to screw with brando and we don't have to again so yeah, it, it's, it sounds like it sounds like K State fans have uh, for the first time ever gotten a. Did we bully him off? I mean, well, I I don't know if it, I don't think it's much much as us bullying him as much as like his petulant behavior with K State fans. Um, sounds like Tim Brando may never do another K State game again, uh, which is amazing. Because kind oh. of the way it seemed when he was tweeting early was that he was going to be back. Yeah, Saturday, he thought he was getting. I'm pretty game. sure that they did a 180. Yeah. after him yeah. being bombarded and the hatred going his way, which is fully warranted, by the way. He's a total dipshit. Yeah, it might be one of the, like, most uh, – oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Spectacular things K-State Twitter's ever done <laughs> is getting uh, Tim Brando uh, off calling our game. Let, let's get to the, the big topic, though, at least based on what I, I saw on Twitter. I think you and I are on the same page. We're locked up on this one. But how do you handle the quarterback situation moving forward? It's a good question. Um, I do think there's a lot of recency bias happening right now uh, with Will Howard and credit to him. That's how good he played that people are willing to say, uh, this is your job now, Will Howard, after what we've, after, after all the trauma he's put us through. And genuinely, I think that's insane. Like it goes to, it goes to say, or it goes to show just how absolutely ridiculous he was on Saturday. But I mean, I personally lean toward, it's Martinez's job still. Uh, he's QB one. He had uh, he got us to where we are right now, um, and I I just don't see how you can justify usurping him at this point um, unless I mean his health comes into a factor. I'm totally fine and comfortable, honestly, with either one playing right now at this juncture. Um, but I think. If they're both 100% healthy, I'm probably putting Adrian Martinez out there. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Let's start looking at Texas. Um, w- what is going to be the biggest key if we're going to get this win? Absolutely massive win, by the way, because it, if you take care of business on Saturday, there is a very real chance. Uh, because who does Baylor play? Baylor has a brutal remaining schedule. I looked at it earlier. They still have, fuck, Oklahoma I mean, this Saturday. Yeah, they're in at Norman. Oklahoma. So, so, Say we win. That's a 2 p.m. game. There is a very real chance 
that if actually, I mean, hell, if we win, I think there's, if Oklahoma wins and K-State wins, we then can lose any single game left in the final three and still make it to Arlington. And we I could be Baylor... sitting in a situation Saturday night where all we have to do is go two and one and we're in Arlington. Yeah. I mean, Baylor's Massive. remaining schedule. I think they'll, they could potentially drop two. They've got Oklahoma Saturday. They got K state and they have TCU and Texas. So it's a pretty brutal remaining stretch for them. And I don't think that they quite have the firepower to, I mean, there's no way in hell they're winning out, surely. No, there's but, there's no chance. Um, yeah, it's crucial. We have to win this Saturday. Um, <laughs> winning this Saturday goes an absolutely – yeah, I mean, it goes a long way for the implications of us getting to Arlington. I totally agree. I think we could probably drop one because we, we have the tiebreaker now over who I would have considered to be our biggest hurdle in Oklahoma State remaining on the schedule. But uh, – Texas is right, right behind Oklahoma State in that regard. So we have to take care of business Saturday night. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This this is a critical game. Um, this is as big of a game in Manhattan as we've seen in a long time as far as conference aspirations go. Um, I don't even think that there was a home game in 2014 that can stack yeah. up to this level of not like really. – Yeah, not certainly not at home. I mean, it – yeah, obviously I mean, the could, final game came down to Baylor away, yeah, but you, you can this make is like a big a one. The, like in theory, uh, when when you're one game out of getting a trophy, because that was back in the uh, yeah. split split trophy era. In theory, every quote unquote every home game was a big home game when you're when you're chasing down something like that. But no, these back to back games versus Arlington contenders. Um, and, and looking at the schedule, I had no idea that this was going to be like a three game gauntlet, like looking at the schedule, yeah. I, I thought TCU was going to be shit. And I was like, ah, I don't know about Texas, Oklahoma state. Yeah. They're for real. Um, I had no idea it was going to turn to this sort of gauntlet, but you know, it, it's all right there. All right there for the taking. So w- what is, what is either w- one or two big keys that you have grant KSU oh. have to take down the Texas Longhorns and what quite possibly will be the last time the University of Texas at Austin plays a football game in Manhattan, Kansas. Well, it's a good question. Before we get into the keys to be, let's touch on how a little bit more on how big of a game this is. Yes. I mean, it's nighttime in November. How long, how long, I mean, we haven't had a relevant game like this in November, you know, where there's yeah, conference title aspirations First um, at night. It's against one of the bigger, quote-unquote, brands in college football. It's against a team that's been a thorn in everyone's fucking side in this conference since they, since they joined. And now the feeling of scorn of, of them leaving to the SEC and their air of superiority, their snobbery of, of leaving us behind and, and continuing to hold the, the numbers and the money figures over our heads. This is a fucking enormous game. Not only that, they've we haven't beat them since 2016. Kleiman's never beat them. It's huge. This is an absolute must win. Um, if you can find a way to get there, if you can get your hands on a ticket, get there, fill it with purple. If you have tickets and you're not going, give them away to a K-Stater. Don't put them on the secondary market and try to get 200 bucks out of them. Give them to a Cats fan for 20 bucks and fill those stands and let's make this – a peak, peak Bill Snyder famous stadium atmosphere. 
Now, my keys to V, I don't know shit about Texas. I've only really, I've barely watched them. What I do know is they have two elite running backs and one, maybe the best running back in the country. I mean, Bijan is genuinely better than Deuce. Um, he's insane. So it's going to be really hard. I think they're a very good running team and we're not an, a, as good as our defense is. We're not a great run defense by the numbers. Um, so we're going to have to, we're going to have to contain that running attack to a certain extent. Um, this might be one of those well, bend don't break sorry. type of games for the defense. They actually have like two other running backs that are like pretty fucking good too. Yeah. As, the Robinsons basically yeah. are excellent um, yeah. together. Um, I don't know who the third one is, but their second string who's also named Robinson is very, very good. So I don't know. I think we'd be, we would, we would do well to, to have a bend don't break type of night, keep them out of the end zone force field goals i think we're gonna have an opportunity to get to yours and he hasn't been you know nails this year on the road um he's a freshman we've got one of the scariest rush or pass defense or what the hell am i looking for attack yeah we're a disruptive pass attack yeah, yeah on defense that um that he's gonna see and i think the crowd's gonna be all over him so uh, I guess my first key to B would be limit that rushing attack. What would yours be? Well, I have uh, full, full transparency. Uh, we're recording this before I do the uh, – I mean, the, the biggest one for me, it, it really is just try to contain their rushing attack. I'm yeah. having nightmares. Uh, yeah. I mean, because <laughs> think about what they did to our defense last year running the ball, and that was without Bijan. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean it's it, going to be scary and yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we pissed that game away. We pissed a couple of games away against them under climbing. I, I don't really count the COVID year. Yeah. But we, the two in Austin, I mean, we got out to, I mean, hell we got out to a lead in both of those and just pooped our pants. We did. We absolutely did. And maybe that's um, going to be a character of this team that we have learned to finish games. Um, Cause we could have, we could have lost in Ames we could have pooped our pants to Texas tech when we let them back and it was 20 all. We certainly could have pooped our pants in Norman and we've, we've learned to finish. I think this is a pretty mature team um, from top to bottom. And, you know, this is kind of like Kleiman's year three and it's coming together very well for him. Um, I have a lot of faith in the coaches and I have a lot of faith in our team, but I, I am with you on like the nightmares of them running the ball on us and it's not being able to stop it. But we might be able to put up a lot of points on our own. For sure. All right. Um, who, who's going to be like your pick to click? Who's a player that you think is going to, we're going to come out of Saturday and be like, damn, this cat had a good one. Well, I'm hoping that it's Austin Moore because if Austin Moore has a very good game, then I think that bodes well for us um, kind of slowing down the rushing attack or at least keeping it in check to a point where we can, where we can say that we won the football game, but uh, I'll say Austin Moore. I mean, he's had a hell of a year. He's coming off another great game and he's got his biggest challenge, I think ahead of him in Bijan Robinson. So let's see if he's up to the task. All right. So now I'm going to ask you, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll wait. Uh, I'll end with the score prediction. I'll ask you this. What is something like very specific? What is something 
that is going to happen in this game that you can put a prediction on? Like an um, event, something like if you want to get like super specific with a stat line, just what what do you think is just put I your think we'll be positive in the turnover battle. Um, I mean, we're, we're turning people over at a very high rate. I want to I don't have the numbers in front of me. Let's see. Especially at home. I I don't know if we – have we turned the ball over at home? Um. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. The the, the Tony Frias fumble to lead to the ta- – or the Mizzou garbage touchdown at the end of the game. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, let's see But here. we have like an turnover insane margin. turnover margin at home. Kansas State. So we're fifth in the country Whew. right now at turnover margin, it looks like. It's great. Um, so I think we're going to turn them over in our defense. I mean, we've just got some ball hawks back there in the secondary. Um, we've got the best in school history at stripping at strip sacking. Um, and I think, you know, under the lights, Quinn Hewers, it's going to be loud. He may not see Felix coming one of those times. Um, so that's my prediction. We're going to be positive in the turnovers. <laughs> I love it. And then let's hear it. Give me a score. I'm going to say Texas 24, K-State 20 for the reverse jinx action. If, I we, mean, hold, if we hold them right. to 24, I mean, I it would was cry a, this if we is a lost. Str- it's strategic. It's just I know. a strategic That's prediction. That's fine. It had to be done. <laughs> it had to be done. All right, well. That's all we have for the K-State side of this, this K-State primer, which is just a mini episode of an old school Bosco's boys. Is there anything you want to tell the boneheads, your former, actually, they're still adoring fans. They're still obsessed with you. Uh, not really. Just I, I'll, I'll uh, do a call back to, if you can get to the game, get to the game. And if you have tickets, give them away. That's what I would do if I couldn't get there. That's how I got my tickets. I have some elite tickets in section four, row five from, let me just pull them up here. Mason Sharts. follow him at M Sharts, which is S-C-H-A-R-T-Z 32. He gave me probably tickets that are worth like $300 for free. <laughs> what a guy. That's, that's what you have to do, I think. Um, let's get this atmosphere absolutely crazy. Give your tickets away. Help people get to the game, and and if you're going to be at the game, then be loud. Stay in there. Get back in on time if you leave. Wear purple and be loud. I love it. All right. Well, that's all we have. Uh, Do you want him with the old school meet me at the cat head or, you know? Sure. It's up to you. Folks, meet me at the cat head. just stuck with me for the final bit of this show loved talking with grant always enjoy getting him back on the show remember we're sponsored by manhattan brewing company the best brewery in the state of kansas home of the freshest and most delicious craft beer in the entire state if your local local liquor store does not carry manhattan brewing company tell them to damn it 
and Charlie Hustle. They have the Lavender Varsity Jackets. Some absolute stylish and comfortable crewnecks. I'll be rocking Charlie Hustle rest of this football season, all basketball season, in the spring, summer. I'm a Charlie Hustle man 12 months out of the year. They have the most stylish, officially licensed K-State gear in the country. So go to shopcharliehustle.com or actually it's just charliehustle.com. charliehustle.com or go to the Country Club Plaza or select retailers in the city of Manhattan. All right, there's been some pretty big, big 12 news. Uh, First and foremost, while not official, there have been tons of very reputable sources coming out and saying that the Big 12 has their new TV deal, or an extension, I should say, of the TV deal, which is going to, with Fox and ESPN, which is going to see, uh, I, I think... I think we are around $25 million from Fox and ESPN, or maybe it's $28 million uh, with Fox and uh, uh, ESPN. I think between $22 and $26 million. And it's going to see the average payment go up to around $32 million per school per year in TV money. This is absolutely massive. People go back and listen to... The shows immediately after Oklahoma and Texas announced that they're going to leave for the SEC. Um, you know, Bob Bowlesby was out here saying that, you know, that represented half of the monetary value of the Big 12 Conference TV deals. You had Stuart Mandel. You had all sorts of, you know, it just absolute idiots at The Athletic on ESPN. You had Heather Denich saying that the Big 12 schools should look to join the AAC because their $8 million a year was going to be better than what the Big 12 uh, would have gotten. Uh, Just absolute clowns. The absolute lot of them turned out to be clowns. They turned out to be frauds. They turned out to be absolute fakes. Um, Now, is this TV deal... Going to, oh, and Andy Staples. Andy Staples is also a fucking clown. He needs a specific shout out when you're talking about some of the clowns. Um, Twitter's forever. The internet's forever. Big J journos with blue checks. Absolute idiots. Andy Staples, Stuart Mandel, Heather Dinich, all three of you guys can metaphorically eat a bag of dicks. Metaphorically, of course. You're all clowns. Um, so, what does this mean? Well, first off, you're going to be seeing Big 12 games the exact same way you always have been. For those of you who hate ESPN+, Plus, I'm sorry, but it's only it, it, it's not going away. My guess, you're probably going to see even more. Because ESPN actually owns, I believe, 66% of the content with football and Men's basketball, and I'll get to that in a second. But you're still going to be able to see baseball, volleyball, women's basketball, all the non-revenue sports on ESPN+, Plus, which I think is an absolute big deal. I think, again, until the details of the contract are officially released, this is all a lot of assumptions, uh, which could make an ass out of me. Not you guys, because you're not a part of this conversation. This is a one-way conversation. Um... My assumption is you're going to be seeing Big 12 games on ESPN Plus every single week. Um, Just like you see 
you know, crappy games, and sometimes not even crappy games. There's been top 15 games, uh, you know, on the SEC network, ACC network, uh, Big Ten network, all this type of stuff. Um, so I, I think you're going to see plenty of Big 12 football conference games on ESPN+. Plus. I think you're going to see plenty of Big 12 basketball games on ESPN+. Plus. But again... I don't have an issue with that. We are now going to continue to make more money in our television media deals than the ACC. We're going to see what happens with the Pac-12, but this is why I like our deal. Even if the Pac-12 finds a way to get a couple million dollars more per season. We are still going to have television spots on Big Boy Fox. Because Big Boy Fox can only do one Big Ten game a week. And they have no interest in the Pac-12. We are still going to have games on ABC and ESPN. Two of the top five networks where you can, or where you see college football on. You know, it's ABC, Fox, NBC, CBS, and ESPN. Those are the big five. Yes, you're still going to have games on Fox Sports 1. Probably more than we want. Probably not, you know, I think you're probably going to get one game on Big Boy Fox a week. You know, either in the afternoon or evening. You're probably going to get one ESPN game a week. Maybe an ABC game a week. Then you'll see stuff on ESPN2, ESPNU, ESPN+. Plus. Know what the Pac-12 is not going to get? The Pac-12 is not going to be on both networks. They might, they might be able to get some games on ABC. But if they're going to beat the monetary value of the Big 12, which now is something they have to do, they're probably going to have to put a lot of their games on Amazon or Apple TV. They're going to have to go the streaming exclusive route where you're going to see probably upwards of 50% of their games on streaming. And while I think the future of sports is in streaming, I haven't had cable in a long time. I'm an MLS fan, so I'm going to be watching Sporting Casey on Apple TV all next season. That is not the way to grow your brand. The Pac-12 is already struggling for viewership and struggling for relevancy in the zeitgeist of college football, of college athletics. And this move is not going to help them at all. So ultimately, as much anger as I have towards ESPN and what they tried to do to the Big 12, they failed... And they're still ponying up a bunch of money. One other small thing about this TV deal. For the first time ever, Fox is going to be carrying some Big 12 basketball games as well. So in the uh, winter and the spring, you will see Big 12 basketball on Fox Sports 1. Maybe some on Fox. I don't love that. I don't love that. But it's not gonna. it's not going to make me lose any sleep. I do hope now, because they they also own all the Big East rights, 
I hope they do a full day of programming and they really pump up the Big East Big 12 battle or whatever they call it. Similar to what ESPN does with the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Because the big ESPN does go all out in marketing the Big 12 SEC Challenge every single year. I hope Fox does the same for the Big East and Big 12 battle. Now, the other piece of Big 12 news, the other piece of Big 12 news, um, reportedly, and multiple people are reporting this, Brett Yormark was having conversations with the Gonzaga AD about the possibility of Gonzaga moving over men's basketball and all of their other sports in which the Big 12 sponsors, they're not a football school, but all their other sports in which the Big 12 sponsors uh, over to the Big 12. Before I say anything else, let me say this. I do not feel extremely passionate in my opinion of this. I have a podcast. This is some big news that affects K-State, affects the Big 12. I'm going to talk about it. I said some stuff on Twitter, said some stuff on message boards. Ultimately, this is not me. I, I will not get pissed off if this happens or if it doesn't happen. This is not truly move the needle one way or the other for me. Comma. But I don't like it. I don't like it. And here's why. I don't want to turn the Big 12 into the old version of the Big East. I don't want to have this big old mega conference, 16 team mega conference, which, you know, half the conference or most of the conference, 12 teams in the conference play football. Four teams are basically uh, basketball plus the other sports. I I don't like that. I don't I don't see the value in it. I don't see the value in it. And I assume adding Gonzaga would be the beginning of this. I I would be shocked that the plan was be like, oh, we're just going 13 teams in basketball scheduling. Now it could be that. But even if it was, I don't like it. If you're talking about just dollars and cents, I fail to see Gonzaga adding enough value that it then cancels out the cost to send your volleyball team up to Spokane, Washington every year or every other year. I fail to see how adding Gonzaga men's basketball is going to offset the cost of sending your baseball team up there. You know, I I don't see the value in it. Yes, it adds a cool basketball game. But part of the value in Gonzaga are these gaudy records that they're piling up against what isn't most years even a mid-major conference. The West Coast Conference, most years during Gonzaga's rise, has been a one-bid league. It has been a low-major league. Now, the rise of St. Mary's, San Francisco's pretty good. In the last couple years, I think they've been a multi-bid league. I think they've been like a two-bid league. I don't know if they've ever gotten up to three or not. 
But Gonzaga's not going to continue to compete for one seeds if they come to the Big 12. Even when you look at them, this aura around them, they've only made two Final Fours. And all their success has been at the hands of Mark Few. What's going to happen? I mean, Mark Few's been there for 28 years. I I don't think he's going to coach until he's in his 80s. Do you really want to hitch this conference's wagon to a small private school on a geographic island? Yes, it's kind of close to BYU, but I mean, it's not like that close. It's not that close. But hitch the Big 12's wagon to Gonzaga probably forever. All because they've been really good under one coach? I don't. I don't like it. But again. It is not some super passionate thing. This is not, uh, you know, something that's going to cause me to... If they get added, I'd be like, alright, fine, cool. And, and you bet my ass would be in Bramlage when they came to town. But here's the thing. If the Big 12 schools want to play them, Gonzaga will play at home and home with any power school. And that's why I also don't buy this whole, oh, we're doing it to to get one over on the Pac-12. The Pac-12 schools do not play Gonzaga. It took state politicians to get involved to force Washington and Gonzaga to start playing again. Arizona has done like one home and home with them and played some neutral site games with them. USC, UCLA, they wanted nothing to do with them. They're they're going off to the Big Ten, doesn't matter. Colorado's never played them. Utah's played them once in Salt Lake City and then once in the NCAA tournament. These teams don't want to play Gonzaga, so I see some folks saying, oh, the Pac-12 would be livid if the Big 12 got Gonzaga. I don't buy that for one moment because no one's playing them. Gonzaga will do a home-and-home with any power school because they have to get their strength of schedule in the non-con because they're playing a bunch of Division II teams. They're not really Division II. They're Division I. I know. But that's how they have to get their strength and schedule up. They'd play a home-and-home with any Power 5 team that wanted to play them. And and, and no, no one is. So that's my thoughts on it. Again, I don't actually care enough Uh, To protest against it. I don't like it. I think there's creative things you can do. You could do a Big 12 versus the World Series. Where you have Gonzaga and 11 other uh, big time non-power conference teams. And it's like the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Big 12 Big East Battle. You can add that and build some TV around that. If you're trying to find a way to get Gonzaga involved with the Big 12. But I don't I do not think we need to add them to the conference. But again, I don't care enough to protest or get too worked up about it or anything. All right, um we'll, we'll touch real quick. Uh soccer season ended. They lost in the first round of the Big 12 tournament. Um they they were able to get to the Big 12 tournament, which was um a step in the right direction. They had someone on the all-freshman team. They have a pretty good recruiting class coming in. 
Ultimately, I hope uh, next year we take another step forward. K-State Volleyball got swept by KU after uh, taking the first set versus Texas and then losing 3-1 last weekend. K-State Volleyball is barreling towards um, a 8th or ninth or maybe even 10th place finish in the Big 12. Um, people know my frustration with the volleyball team. I had a lot of high hopes. Uh, women's volleyball is the just volleyball because it's only the women. But K-State Volleyball is my third favorite sport to watch uh, K-State play in. And they have no heart. I mean, it, it, it was... It was a really bad look what they put out on the floor versus KU on uh, Wednesday. Um, we'll see what happens at the end of the year. Um, I think it's time to move on uh, in a new direction. I don't think everyone thinks that. I think a lot of folks feel that Susie Fritz should have the opportunity to uh, lead this team into the new arena, see what she can do. I don't like the idea of building the best volleyball specific arena in America and leaving the keys to someone who has not had a conference winning season since 2016 if you take out COVID. That's just not where I'm at. Um, I didn't write any of those checks for the arena. I don't write big enough checks for my opinion really to matter. So it's really going to come down to the stakeholders in K-State Volleyball and Gene Taylor uh, to see if they want to make a move and go a new direction as we open up a new arena. K-State women's uh, basketball, they have another um, exhibition game, but then they'll open up their season before the men on Monday. Um, look, they're, they're going to have to learn how to play without Aoka Lee. The, the first exhibition, things were super tight at the end of the third quarter. Um, they end up pulling away. Um, they're going to have to learn how to play without Serena Sundell is really going to have to put the team on her shoulders. She is good enough. She it, she can be a first-team All-Big 12 player, uh, but she's going to have to really take on a lot of leadership on this team. And we're going to have to find someone who can consistently hit the outside shot because when things are going bad, you can't just dump it into Yoki and let her make someone look like an absolute fool trying to guard her in the block. Um, someone's going to also have to step up with uh, rebounds and do something to keep the other teams in the Big 12 out of the middle. Uh, it's going to be crucial for them to get off to a hot start. They will play Iowa and Wisconsin pretty early in the season, so we're going to get a good idea early on the potential of this team. Uh, the men's lone exhibition game, I had a lot of fun watching it. Um, we had the initial quick take, hot take. I'll, I'll say this. Uh, it's only one exhibition. <laughs> I'm not panicking, uh, but you turn the ball over a lot more versus a Washburn team that is basically all freshmen and sophomore. It's not like it, this is not going to be one of the best Washburn teams we've seen uh, playing down at Lee Arena in Topeka. It's not going to be the first best one of the best teams we've seen uh, coming out of the Ichabod. So you turn it over uh, far more than I think Coach Tang would like 18 times. Uh, only went like 4 of 28 or 6 of 28. Just not a good shooting percentage from 3. Again, it's just an exhibition game. De not panicking at all. Um, but those are the bad. They're good. This team swarms on defense. They're super athletic. They're grabbing all sorts of offensive rebounds. Um, it is going to look, I think, a little bit like a Frank Martin team on offense. Um, getting to the free throw line. Getting offensive rebounds. Um, 
trying to run out and transition. Uh, it's fun. I'll be there on Monday. I'm looking forward to the first regular season game of the Jerome Tang era. We will. Uh, I'm sure we'll t- we'll try to talk a little bit about that on the Wednesday live show next week. So we will have uh, Monday a review of the Texas game. We'll have a Q&A show on Tuesday. We'll have the Baylor preview on Wednesday. We'll try to get a normal whip around on Thursday and a recording of the Wednesday live show dropping on Friday. Oh, no, no. Yeah, on Friday. On Friday. That's all we have, boys and girls. Absolutely massive game on Saturday. If you're on the fence, try to get a ticket and go. It's going to be fun. There's not going to be any rain. It might be a little chilly. It might be in the 40s. But no more rain in the forecast. Uh, it's going to be one of those nights. It could be one of those nights that you remember forever. Uh, it could be a very special atmosphere in Bill Snyder Family Stadium. So for Grant Copeland, the co-founder of Bosco's Boys, Chauncey Bosco, who is a very good boy and the current co-host of this show, we love you guys. Every man a wildcat, horns down, and go Cats. Oh, don't you know, we're on a podcast with Bosco's boys. Because I love you, heads. We're on a podcast with Bosco's boys. Because I love you, heads, baby. Meet me at the cat. Sports Social Podcast Network.